Hey, Mike, do you know what the definition of an anti-Semite is? Mm, no, I don't think I know what that is. What is it, Scooter? An anti-Semite. It's someone who hates the Jews more than is necessary. <laughs> now that got you in trouble? That got me in trouble at a family gathering. Really? Oh, shit, that's funny. He's yeah. dating a Jewish lady, Jewish a Jewish gal. And um, the family was there. It was a Jewish holiday. We're all hanging out. And <laughs> the family was sitting around telling Jew jokes. It was all about like, oh, you remember that? And then the Jew did that and blah, blah, blah. So it was all very self-deprecating. And there was a break in the conversation. And I threw that one out at them. And the room went dead silent, all <laughs> laughter. And they're all looking at me like, who the, who the fuck is this guy? How'd he get in here? And uh, she had to take me to the next one. Let's go to the kitchen and get something to drink. Like, okay, yeah, get me out of here, please. Thanks. Oh, it was <laughs> awful. Oh, awful. Yeah. They talked amongst themselves. I, I went and got a very stiff drink. And now, sit back, radio listeners, because you're about to unfiltrate the unfiltered thoughts of society's two most unscrupulous weirdos. Mike and Scooters. House of Shame. So just put on your head buds and hear what happens when Mike and Scooter decide to stop holding their tongues and start to get real. Tonight, the two nitwits from New York talk to their friend Twibs Gory about Nazis. Nazi. What is that word? Nazi exploitation. The Night Porter, Love Camp 7, and even a little bit of the producers. Don't forget Ilsa's She Wolf of the SS. Ilsa, harem keeper of the oil sheets. Wanda, the wicked warden. So hopefully the mood is ripe for the podcast that you like. And a reminder to the listeners that are already offended, Scooter is Jewish. Ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together because... It's Mike and Scooter. Let's say hello to our good friend, Twigs Gory. Let's hear it for her, ladies Ooh. and gentlemen. Welcome, lady. Great to have you here. It is great it's to have Twigs good. here. Nice uh, to be here. A, a film fanatic friend of ours who we've been at many different kind of screening with. And Twigs and I have talked a lot about Nazi movies over the years. And I just say Nazi movies, but that means a lot of different things. Can you tell us uh, your interests? I really love a sauerkraut. I I can't stress that enough. I sincerely do. When I was, I don't know, I guess a couple years back, I got really into Nazi exploitation films. And for me, that's Nazi exploitation films are kind of like the, I guess, sexy movies from the 70s. And also like the Nazi propaganda films Nazis themselves made and the propaganda films that were made by the Allies. So I kind of tend to roll all of those up into one and say, you know, I really love Nazi exploitation because it's interesting and it's not really what you expect. And there's a lot of, uh, I guess, like female domination, which I'm a big fan of. A lot of like mm. women who are kicking everybody in the face at any time. There's a lot of women on film. I tend to gravitate towards it. I've been told a woman always remembers her first time. So do you remember which was your first, the one that indoctrinated you into the genre? Yes. Actually, it was The Night Porter. I know it's like oh. the most typical yeah, answer. Uh, nothing wrong but with it's that. A good, but it's a great one. <laughs> my, my, it, it was so bizarre because I actually thought originally Charlotte Rampling was a man. So I was like, oh, who's that fucking hot guy? Oh like, I just wanted to see that's it fantastic. because I thought she was, well, I thought he was hot. And then I found out it was a girl. I was like, that's fucking hot. <laughs> so like, 
like the whole movie, I was just like, wow, this is just like one turn on after the next. I was very excited to well, see it. Yeah, well, a Dirk Bogard's nipple gets harder than hers ever get. I mean, I was, like, <laughs> I was watching this thing just the other day to catch up. I'm like, oh, yeah, I haven't watched it in a while, so I figured we might be talking about it. I was like, at one point, she's sucking on his nipple, and it comes off, and it's like, what? You could put a fucking golf ball on it, knock it right out yeah. of the room. <laughs> <laughs> hers just sit there kind of flat little pancaking nipples on her tiny breasts. So that freaked me out more than anything else in the movie. It's like, yeah, swastikas, Nazis, whatever. I was like, oh, Bogart nipples. No. <laughs> well, I think that that is a great first flick to have seen. And also, it's a good one to talk about because this movie gets so much yes. shit. Yeah. And yes. I don't want to jump to a conclusion, but... I think it gets shit because of the. It's an inconvenient female character for people. We give men that kind of ability to mm-hmm. be a bad guy or to be crazy or to do this and that, and we don't care a goddamn lick. But when Charlotte Rampling doesn't fall into a narrative line of what a female should do and, and that she's either a victim or she's either insane or that she's not in control, that seems to be what people's problem with the movie really is. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, Recently, I remember kind of, like, talking to a friend about the film, and, like, the friend said, oh, I've seen that film, it's complete trash, and I was like, okay, but, you know, at the end of the day, I, I, it's about female choice, you know, the film is about a woman who knows what she wants, what she wants isn't what people expect that, you know, she would want, and people just have a problem with that, people have a problem with women making choices and taking control of their life, I mean, like, she was totally down with this man. I mean, she could have turned him in. She had the power right. to, like, fuck him over. She had the power to kill mm-hmm. him. Like, when I first watched the movie, I thought that the end of the movie was going to be like, oh, she's going to fucking murder his ass. And then I was like, whoa, they're really in love. And, like, they're happy together. And then at the end, when everybody gets shot, I'm like, oh, my God, yay, it's true love. I'm so happy for her. And I'm happy that, you know, she was able to find somebody who she really cared about. And people have a problem with that. And honestly, you know, fuck them because... Everybody has a right to be happy. Yeah. Hell yeah. Even yeah. in death. And yeah. by the way, uh, retroactive spoiler alert there if you haven't seen it. Uh, they get, <laughs> we'll put a warning sorry, in the yeah, front, don't worry. Sorry, yeah. they, they, get, they die at the end. There have been sensational Nazi films before that, but I think The Night Porter really marks a rage in film critics and a rage in people. And I actually printed out Roger Ebert's oh, original man. review. Oh, oh boy. And my God. And I think we all know what's coming after this, but... Let's hear what he's he's saying here. Please. A despicable attempt to titillate us by exploiting memories of persecution and suffering. Wait, wait, wait. Isn't that how he sold Beyond the Valley of the Dolls? Isn't <laughs> exactly. That the, that the same thing he said? Going towards, of course. Oh, no, 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 no. No, no, I don't mean it in a bad way. But, I mean, isn't it obvious? It's like, yeah. it, was, how, it was only, a few, it wasn't even a decade earlier that he had, yeah. you know, had the Z-Man character in Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. So he can do it. Yeah. What he doesn't like about it is that it is inconvenient and it is female empowerment for better or worse. Yeah. You know, that's not what I would have expected to be, have been his review. But I guess maybe I should have after the whole 80s scare with the horror movies with well, him and uh, Siskel. Oh, God, forget it. Yeah, but but Twigs, you, you, you made me think of um, just what it is that I think really bothers people about this movie. It's a, it's, it, it makes them feel icky. It's yeah. really inconvenient, and it has a lot to do with what we want women to be. And we really want them to be controllable, whether or not we're saying it on the surface. Well, also, just uh, when you're aroused and then you see a swastika, you know, there's just something, <laughs> there's something weird. I mean, when I was watching it again, my dick was like, no way, sorry, <laughs> I ain't going there. You know, even during some of the sexiest stuff, I was like, okay, you know, 
could be because it's a circumcised dick too, and I am Jewish. <laughs> but um, none, nonetheless, I, I know what you mean. What, what's interesting is she makes that choice to go to Dirk Bogard, and then she becomes very passive or seemingly passive after this very decisive choice on her part. If you don't see that as have that decision that she made as being like a really strong choice, which it is, you might see in the second half of the movie that her just lying around in bed and just kind of like being tended to by him as being very passive. But again, you start getting into the uh, well, S&M dialectic. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. of course. Yeah. And I think people miss that for mm. uh, they don't see the forest for the uh, nazi trees you know it's a it's an awesomely sadian concept in 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 those ways yeah, yeah it is a lot of people i think you know they mistake submission for powerlessness and subs are really powerful like as somebody who's kind of like i guess more on the dominant side you know i have a lot of respect for people who are submissive because they're making a choice to put their lives in somebody else's hands and I think that's something that's really admirable. So there's power. People don't see it that way, but there's power in submission as well. And I think that's something that's oftentimes missed. Yeah, no, I totally agree. If you're outside the scene, it just it's not even the language people understand. Well said. I totally agree with that. Absolutely. And the other, the, the, what that makes me think of, too, is how inconvenient those relationships are for film. In, in a narrative film, people really automatically want a good guy and a bad guy and a story yeah, to have a resolution yeah. and that you really are satisfied by. And those relationships are not filmic in that sense. They're very... And I think that's an exciting thing to watch, you know, but it's very troubling for the normal way that a movie might play out. It's also interesting that the film clearly states that she's not even Jewish. Her father yeah. is a socialist yeah. and that why she's, that's why she's in the camp. And when I was watching it, uh, having not seen it in a while, I'd forgotten that detail. But it made me wonder if that was a brave choice or a cowardly choice on the part of the filmmaker. I'm curious to see what you guys think about that. I mean, is it a question that should have been asked in the first place? Or is it? did she do the right thing by avoiding stepping into that trap? I don't know myself, but I'm curious to see what you guys think, because I'm, I'm not sure. After you, Twigs. Mm. I mean, it's, it's possible that she could have just said, you know, fuck it, I'm not going to take it all the way, but... One thing that I learned about the film just by, yeah, I forget like if it was like something that I read or something like an interview with her that I saw, but she said that it's based on somebody's personal experience. She said she was filming some type of a documentary on the Holocaust and she saw this lady putting like, I think it was like red roses or maybe in my mind because it's more romantic. It's like red roses, you know, like at some type of site at at one of the concentration camps. She chased her down thinking it was, you know, for a family member, somebody she had lost, comes to find out it was like for her lover who was like an SS general who like basically protected her and Mm. was the reason why she made it through. So I thought that was fucking dope as hell. But Mm -hmm. it it could be that she said, you know, she she said, I don't want to take it this route. Like it could also be she was, you know, maybe that was a lady's story. And I don't know. The reason I mention this too, it's interesting to me because it's kind of nice to uh, wrestle the Holocaust uh, away out of the hands of the Jews a little bit here because... He know, said it, not me. Yeah, you know, Jews don't own the Holocaust. It was terrible. You, you lost six million of us, but there were 20 million people killed overall. There, was, there were other people being thrown into ovens and things were done to them as well. I'm not belittling anything about what happened to my people at all, but... There was other stuff going on, too, and it's good to remember everyone who was damaged by this horrible historical incident. Well, to me, that that's that's where my answer would go, and I think it's a little bit of a, of a two-part answer, because I think um, 
in a way, Cavani makes a statement about how multifaceted this very typically approached as a black and white subject, how multifaceted and how layered it is politically. And it really affected uh, so many people in the exact same extreme life-ending way. There's that. But there's also a a little bit of a filmmaker mischief going on with it, too, Mm -hmm. where it's inconvenient. You know, it's inconvenient again for the viewer. It's another little rug being pulled out where it's not... There's no easy place to sit, you know, with this movie, even if Mm -hmm. um, you want to be angry at it, you know? There's a nice quote from Cavani that just seems to speak to a lot of what Twiggs is saying. Liliana Cavani describes her film as a love story, praises the honesty between her two leading characters, and sees the story as a straightforward handling of one aspect of the concentration camp experience. Mm. People can't handle that. That's so... Yeah. That, that's this, this, the simplicity of that is really dip tough for people, I think. You, you know? can't handle yeah. the truth. <laughs> yeah, it's one, of, it's one of those, isn't it? Yeah. I'm uh, I'm I'm a big fan. I I do love this film. I love that it's arousing, that it's disturbing. Um, it's funny. It it's yeah, yeah, it's funny at point, and just the performances, everyone in it, it's just just great, all yeah. around. Love the way it's shot is nice too. It, it's really dark at points, and uh, even it, it's a Criterion release, so we can continue to refer to them as the Criterion Correction. Some of the uh, <laughs> some of the stuff there looks to me a little bit bluer and more teal than it should uh, be in a couple of shots but for the most part i think they kind of nailed it uh and it's I a do musical question it. It, it, yeah. it, 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 yes it is it's a musical i love that about that's it. what i love yeah. about yeah. nazi uh, exploitation in general there's always a cute little song <laughs> you get to sing for a little bit you know life is beautiful and then everybody dies yeah <laughs> it's fantastic strangely enough that seems like a really good transition point at which you talk about the other end of these type of movies which is uh, the tinto brass ones because yes. yeah they, there's especially Salon Kitty is filled with musical numbers and Black Angel as well which I what's interesting is that I'd almost forgotten that he made Black Angel back in 2000 but everyone seems to remember Salon Kitty and I guess because it's the more extreme of the yeah. two in many ways but there's no question that Black Angel has got its uh, I almost found Black Angel more offensive because it felt more like a conventional Tinto Brass film that had the Nazi trappings kind of like thrown on like Christmas tree ornaments. <laughs> Whereas Salon Kitty is such an out-and-out assault on the senses, it doesn't even feel like a brass film as much as uh, just a slice of uh, insanity from another world. Salon Kitty, uh, all I could say about it, it's like one of my favorite um, oh, wow. Nazi movies. Because the thing is, I'm a sucker for like cute clothes and like a good song and dance and like naked women. So I, I, I was just thoroughly amused by it and i think it's just i don't know i I just i I can't say anything bad about it i mean i love every single song i get up and do little dance numbers whenever i see it um (laughs) (laughs) do the nazi dance i guess one of the tropes in all nazi exploitation films is kind of like that love of the uniform and how it looks like there are a lot of people actually fetishize it and like will go to great lengths to get like you know whatever a realistic replica looking whatever nazi uniform but i love helmet burger in salon kitty when he wears that weird like superman nazi uniform it's like something out of a ken russell film it's crazy when he puts that on sick that's like one of my favorite Seriously, that's like right on the list of mania or something. I saw that and I was just like, whoa, my brain just like... (laughs) 
You know, I didn't live through 1945. I don't know what the fuck was going on. The only thing I know about is, like, what I've read in books. And none of that is positive. But, like, when you watch these films, it's, like, it almost seems like these people were... They knew the end was coming. And they just, like, hunkered down. And they were having, like, a giant party where everybody was fucking and wearing, like, luxurious clothing. And it was, like, this weird, surreal world that every once in a while there was, like, a suicide or a shooting or, like, a betrayal. And that would bring it back to reality to, oh, no, the ship is sinking. Oh, no, we fucked up. Oh, no, all these horrible things are happening. But when you're, like, in Solomon Kitty, when you're in this brothel, it's just, like, nothing but beautiful women and glory. There's this book that I really love. It's called Cinerama. And it has my favorite interview of all time with Russ Meyer. So Russ Meyer, as we know, you know, he's the director of Big Titty Movies, Super Vixens. And of course, he's also, right, a kraut fetishist of sorts. Like the first time I ever heard the song Deutschland Awake was actually in Super Vixens because when the film first starts, I forget like the name of the whatever top Nazi dude they're making fun of, but like he's like driving a truck and he's like playing Deutschland Awake and that's you know, the fir- my first time that I heard this song and I was like, holy shit, you know, this dude's into this kind of stuff. As we all know, he was a cameraman in World War II and um, the interview that I'm talking about, in it he speaks about what it was like to enter occupied Paris and he went to this, of course, being uh, Russ Meyer, he goes to this brothel and he describes that as like the most beautiful, yes. like luxurious. He mentioned the name of this man and I'm not sure who he is and I hope I'm not, I'm probably going to butcher his name, but like Guy or Gustav or something, Montepassant, some shit like that. Mm-hmm. He, uh, he says it looks like one of his dreams, one of his fantasies because it's like just like luxurious women and like these like beautiful robes that are just kind of like it's, it's almost like they have like either or something like around their bodies instead of actual cloth and like oh. it's a it's paradise but it's also fucking occupied france and like people are dying and people are starving probably half the people who work there in that brothel are just doing it to like feed themselves and feed their family but what he describes is like this crazy like party atmosphere which is kind of like what movies like salon kitty echo kind of like that last yeah. hurrah kind of yeah, like europe yeah. it's like we're all going to hell everybody's dead but you know we're just gonna like fuck our way through this we're just gonna fuck until just and like the ending oh, again to spoil the film <laughs> but like the ending of salon kitty uh-huh. it's like everybody's fucking everybody's having a good time everybody's immaculately dressed they're all drinking champagne and then the bombs come and that's it yeah retroactive spoiler alert yet again <laughs> everyone dies um Granny Ruth in Basket Case 2 and Basket Case 3, Zanny Ross, uh, is the uh, singing voice in Salon what? Kitty. And yeah, her, her name, she's credited right up front there in the, uh, in, in the movie. Lambert Hendrickson Ross. Pick those records up if you see them. Great jazz vocal records. Yeah. That's yeah. amazing. So, so yeah, so I feel, I feel a, uh, a closeness. I feel like a six degree of separation closeness now to Salon Kitty because of that. that. That's oh, too cool. That's wow. Yeah. Good call. Isn't that wild? Yeah. 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 Salon Kitty also, of course, has incredible production design from Ken Adam, yeah. who is most famous for doing the James Bond movies. Oh. And uh, as Ken Adam is, uh, himself states, he'd just gotten off of working on Barry Lyndon, which pretty much crushed his soul uh, for what, uh, whatever reason that might have been. Working with Kubrick, maybe? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe that would do it. Sounds like Kubrick might actually be a hard guy to work with. That's, we're breaking new news, folks. Kubrick. Let's just in. Stanley Kubrick <laughs> is Stanley Kubrick. <laughs> yeah. 
and, and for for today, I watched basically one after the other, Salon Kitty and then Black Angel. So it was nice to see, uh, you know, 20 years later where uh, Tinto's head was at. And apparently his head was still up some woman's ass. Yes. Because that's where he really likes to have his head. And yes. more power you too, Brass. I'm with you on that one. Back to you, hunchback. <laughs> <laughs> well, the other thing that I put on um, in preparation, and it speaks to the Russ Meyer point very well, was Love Camp 7. Ah. And, uh, and that's something that we're kind of touching upon with the mad guys before. Yeah. These guys, Friedman, they fought in World War II. Yeah. They were Jewish. Yeah. And this, imagine the mischievousness of making a movie like Love Camp 7. Yeah. Uh, you know, after having done that, I think that that's something in 2018 that's very lost. That seems an impossibility to us that, like, don't you understand the the crime against your heritage? Don't you understand the crime against your belief system? And these guys are just chuckling all the way to the bank, making this jaw-dropping piece of exploitation. Um, I adore Love Camp 7. I, I really do. You're talking Dave Friedman here, right? Of course, yeah. I was at dinner one time with Dave, and I confronted him on his Jewishness. And it's like, you know, because I had asked him something about making a movie and being Jewish, and it was because there was some weird disconnect for him. He said, Scooter, you're looking at uh, last in a long line of Southern Baptists. So <laughs> what the fuck? He's, uh, it was a surprise to me, but uh, according to David, he was not Jewish. And not only was he not Jewish, but he was not circumcised until he went into the army. And he told me the story of his, his circumcision of lying on the table and uh, asking to have a mirror placed so we could watch the procedure. Now, the oh. thing I love the most about this story is I'm still not sure if I should believe any of it because yeah, it's Dave Friedman. Exactly. But, my God, if he, if he lied to me about that, he, he lied so well. It's, <laughs> it's a beautiful story. And uh, I still like to believe he was Jewish just because, uh, you know what, I, I want him in my camp. No offense. To you. <laughs> no offense to the shiksa and the goyim oh. in the room here, by the oh. way. You know, just saying, just saying. Um. Back to your point, though. After that digression, the, the Jews have a long history of, uh, you know, if they survive something, they make a holiday out of it. Uh, you, you know, which is why you get uh, Hanukkah and some other stuff. So I, I feel like maybe since you can't have a holiday for every time you survive something, maybe we need a. a Holocaust, uh, it's something like Hanukkah, but you know, with uh, I don't quite know. Was, Copyright, uh, yeah. Sorry, I'm sorry, I brought that up now. Um, <laughs> that could end up on the editing room floor. My 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 point was simply that uh, since you can't have a holiday for every time a, a Jew survived trying to be uh, you know wiped out, you make a movie every now and then, I guess. So you, we we've always had a sense of humor about it. Is my point. You know, unless I tell tell that joke at a party, then suddenly there's no sense of <laughs> yeah, humor anymore. Yeah. But for the most part, Jews have a very good sense of humor about uh, people trying to murder us. Speaking of sense of humor, I don't think the Love Camp Seven came out of nowhere. Oh yeah, it's of course. Briefly after the producers, of course. Oh, that's interesting. How mm-hmm. how how far after the producers was that? Well, like in the year sixty seven. Love Camp uh, Seven is sixty nine. Wow. So yeah, so less than two years. Yeah. That's fantastic. Gangbusters business. I'm sure that Friedman wasn't immune to that. He was saying, well, "How can yeah. we? How can we put tits in this?" You know. Yeah. No, I'm sure. No, because Love Camp Seven feels like the realization of uh, springtime for Hitler in some ways. Yeah, it, it it has that kind of grotesque theatrical quality to it. You feel like this is the the, the, the play that they were seeing in the producers if it had been made into a movie, right? You know, with tits and bush. With yeah. Tits and, yeah. <laughs> 
Anyway, sorry. Are you a fan of the producers, Twix? Uh, I'm a huge fan of the producers, but the only person who's a bigger fan of the producers than I am is my mother. Really? My wow. fucking mother loves <laughs> Max Bielenstock. Am I saying Yeah, Bielenstock. Bielenstock. Yeah, yeah. She loves him so much because she's like, oh my God, it's a fucking man whore. And she <laughs> laughs her ass off. Oh watching the producers i can't even tell you like she's like i can't believe this movie's about hitler it's so funny and i'm like yes this is why i am your child now so, we can hear wow. your que- we can great. hear your queen's accent but tell us about your mother's background my mom is uh so my family's from the caribbean my mom's from the dominican republic my mom is some well isn't that where the nazis went afterwards exactly yes so there there's the a town ta- actually it's funny that you say that because there's a town and like my mom had told me something she had alluded to something kind of like along those lines where a lot of european people Ooh. went to there were, there were uh, air quotes there leave europe and or she says quotes. that's where a lot of people who you know have blue eyes and you know blondes Ooh. come from mm-hmm. so a lot of times like my mom like will say like oh every time you know somebody from dominican republic sees somebody who's also dominican who's like light skin they're like oh are you from well it's called El Cibao she's like are you from El Cibao and all of us are like no we're from the capital so I don't know whatever but every time someone lights an oven a dark angel gets its wings (laughs) oh oh, oh, you thought of that in advance (laughs) oh hell no he's a genius folks he's a genius yeah he's he's fucking good but um (laughs) yeah so like my mom's just like some Spanish lady who's like I guess sort of well not uh, I sort of into films like my grandma was the one who was really into films like she named all her kids after movie stars and oh wow she was like an American American fetishist mm-hmm. ah. so she like named all like my mom's name after Marilyn Monroe I think like my uncle Henry's name after Henry, Henry Fonda oh wow and like you know well, my uncle Louis I forget who the fuck he's named after but well and, and you she loves, yeah. you haven't fallen far from the tree yeah but actually <laughs> Oh, there you go. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Dump that yeah, I am. I, I totally am. Wow, I'm fired. Yeah. I'm firing myself for that one. He's, you're all fired today, Scooter. You're all fired. But yeah, so, I don't know. She's just, I don't know, like an old school Spanish lady living in New York and being horrified by American culture. But she really loves the producers. She loves the producers. <laughs> Have you ever shown her any of this other, like Salon Kitty or Nightwear? Uh, uh, she's seen any of that? She I picks mean, up something that you watch this stuff, doesn't she? Yeah. yeah. So she, yeah, so she, like, uh, we had a really interesting conversation because uh, one time I was wearing a uh, shockwave shirt and my mom saw it and, like, it was a, uh, it had, like, the, you know, swastika and it had uh, a oh. little Nazi zombie dude. It was really oh, that's cute. Right. Just, just uh, shockwave. She's talking about the uh, one with Peter Cushing and the Nazi zombies that are underwater. Right? And Carradine. Yeah. Carradine. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's my boy. Yeah. So, long story short, she saw me wearing that and she's like, what the hell are you wearing? Do you know what the political climate is outside? You're going to get in trouble for wearing that. You know, people are going to, well, like, in Spanish, there's a, well, I guess not, not really... In Dominican Republic, there's a saying that's like, uh, they say, oh, they're going to throw stones at you in the street, meaning like people are going to, you know, frown upon what you're doing. So she's like, you know, they're going to throw stones at you in the street and like saying all this stuff. And I'm like, listen, you know, I don't care. It's a shockwave shirt. She's like, I'm your mom and I understand that. And I understand that, you know, you like this kind of stuff. But she's like, maybe other people won't understand it and they'll think you're like crazy. And I'm like, okay. It's New York. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think I'll think. Yeah. I might not be the only crazy person. We have person. like right, weird yeah. conversations New York, like that. Jake. 
But that reminds me of our, our, our friend Matt, who was wearing a Puppet Master, one of the a shirt of one of the Puppet Master movies. And there is a swastika somewhere in the shirt, and he was wearing oh, wow. it at work. And a customer came up oh, and shit. said, um, wow. you know your shirt has a swastika on it, right? Like, yeah. Just... Okay. Just checking in. But it's weird. It is that like people can't... Con- it's weird. Like all of a sudden now it's yeah. unfolding where people can't contextualize yeah. the image. And it's like, it's a fucking killer puppet movie. Yes. That deals with Nazi Germany. <laughs> Oof, that's that's the least serious thing possible in the world. Yeah. Is that you know? I'm sure it was tiny too. Yeah, it tiny it, little... yeah, yeah. Something tucked away on yeah. one of the characters. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's people eyes are. Yeah, but thought police, you know, the alarms go off. The second they see it, it's like they recognize it. Like speaking of being offended by something, we were talking about Friedman and Frost. We've got to get to the mother of all of them. Oh, Ilsa, gracious. she-wolf of the SS. My favorite fall line. Yes. Lissai. God damn, uh, masterpiece. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I'm a bigger fan of the uh, the one that uh, Franco did. I think that's one uh, of his great films. I think it's uh, a masterpiece. Right, I mean, it, it really isn't. Wicked I mean, it's, it's yeah. Bread of the Mad Butcher, mm-hmm. and then it's dubbed, it, it's yeah. made into an Ilsa film through some poor dubbing choices that are very uh, odd. I um, prefer the, alliter- the alliterative title, Wanda, the Wicked Warden. But yeah, Ilsa, she will the SS. I mean, that's, that's an indelible, even though the movie itself, it, um, so many more people know about the movie than have actually seen the movie. And when you actually yes. sit down and watch mm. the movie, it's a little like, oh, hmm. It's almost a little disappointing in some ways, because you're really expecting like the mother load. It's that the title is the mother load. So when you actually sit down to see it, it's kind of like, oh, okay. Yeah. I think it's I mean, pretty strong. You know, yeah, it is strong, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It is strong. But I'm just saying, I think you expect stronger from it. Okay. And I think, because I think you get more out of uh, mistakenly walking in to see Night Porter. Interesting. And it kind of like punches you in the face as opposed to Ilsa, you know, Ilsa, she will the SS. You've been punched in the face at the poster. So by the time you get to the movie, you're like, all right, give it to me. Give it. Oh, yeah, okay, that's good. But I mean, yeah, you know. People are, are are so much more easily offended when they don't expect it to happen. I think. Tell us when you discover I, it. Yeah. Holy shit! I can't even. I, I can't say enough about this song. First of all, I'd be here all fucking night. But <laughs> I number one, I loved Diane Thorne so much, yeah. and I love, love, love that she was older when she made the film. Mm. That it wasn't oh, like yes. some chick who's like twenty two. Yep. It's totally like some agree. woman, you know, in her forties, maybe like mid to late forties, like playing this role. My favorite, favorite thing about the film is that, number one, it's a woman in power. Number two, is a woman that loves to fuck and is unashamed of that. Mm-hmm. And number three is that she believes in female superiority. And that's like the whole, I mean, like, it escapes. I don't get, like, why people, people talk about, like, oh, it's a violent film, it's torture, it's boobs, it's trash, it's this, it's that. But this film is a film about a woman who believes that women are superior to men and she's going to prove that to the Nazi regime by performing experiments on other women. Yeah. It's like mm-hmm. the most subversive thing. I mean, like, you know, Third Reich people, you know, women were just like baby machines. Like, all you were allowed to do was, like, open your legs and, like, pop, like, 6, 10, mm-hmm. 15 kids out. Yeah, the and this, you know, this film is about a woman who is who believes in female superiority. And for that, like, I don't know, my heart goes out to her. I It's kind of like one of those characters in exploitation cinema that I identify a lot with and you know I love and almost like you know she's a fucked up bitch but like she brings me to tears because she believes that women are superior and I feel that we need that like there's so like 
you know, I talk shit. Like, I love talking shit. You know, I love to yesterbate, right? Like, my friend says this <laughs> term is called yesterbating. I was like, say, well, great. back in the day and blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm, I'm stupid like that. But I guess back in the day, you know, in, the, in these exploitation films, I find that, like, women were, we had, like, bitches, like, real bitches. Like, people who were strong women who knew what they wanted, who were independent, who, I mean, like, it's just so different now. It's like everything is just like women are, I feel like women in films nowadays are just watered down. They're just weak. And it's not even kind of like a weakness. Like, you know, I'm submissive and you don't have the power to be submissive. It's just like, it's like they're marginal characters. It's just like everything is just, I don't know, everything is just terrible. And I don't find like that punch, like, you know, that I would find in a character like Yilsa. And that's what I, something that I really love about the film is that her character is like a punch in the face. It's like a, a fucking punch in the face. And, like, she's somebody who's, like, going after, like, these crazy Nazi dudes. She's trying... Oh, if anything, like, oh, fuck. I had... Uh, somebody interviewed me about this film for, like, a men's magazine, like, I don't know, maybe, like, two years ago. And Good story, uh, yeah. I, you know, at first I was extremely nervous given, you know, I guess what's going on now because I thought this person was going to... Uh, basically get me in a position where he's going to berate me and, like, say all this shit that I'm, like, you know, uh, I don't know, trying to twist my words. That's what I thought. And it turns out that, you know, this man, you know, he was a fan of Yilsa from when he was a little kid. But to him, Hmm. Yilsa, she was with the SS is a pornographic movie. It's, like, one of the first films, you know. I guess he, you know, was, like, idolizing when he was a kid. I don't know. Weird, I guess, kind of, like, sexual feelings. And he explained to me that that, for many boys of that kind of, like, 80s generation, that was the case. And I was like, what? Are you fucking kidding me? Because, like, the way that I see that film is, like, I see her as kind of, like, she just carries you know, the struggle of women on her shoulders. You know, if you look at the tr- the entire trilogy, right, Yosa Shewoof of the SS, you see the struggles of women in the workplace. This woman has three fucking, three motherfucking jobs. <laughs> She's amazing. <laughs> fucking amazing at all three of them. And in each job that she has, she has proven herself to be above and beyond the level of any man and yet she's still treated as a fucking sexual object. Yosa Shewoof of the SS, she's doing like all these like crazy things, trying to prove herself. And all these like Nazi dudes want her to do is like, oh yeah, please pee on my face. Really? Hire <laughs> <laughs> of the oil sheiks. Yes. It's like this bitch is like protecting everything, making sure this motherfucker's oil is fine. Like, you know, just <laughs> battling it out with everybody, making sure like everybody's in line. And then at the end of the movie, it's like, oh, we don't need you anymore. She's going to throw you in a dungeon. And then the last one, the Jess Frank, I forget what the fuck happens to her at the end. Is she gets like killed or something? They eat her. But like, yeah, th- yeah, there you go. They eat her. It's like, it's like the ultimate thing. It's like, oh, you know, you're a woman, you know, we're going to use you for the moment and then chuck you. And to me, I don't know, that speaks to my heart. Like as a woman, it speaks to my heart. And I, like I said, I could be here all night. I can't say enough about her character. But to me, she's one of the most inspirational characters in all of exploitation films. And I love her to death. And I think it's sad that she doesn't get enough praise. As you point out, she can do all this, but how far can she actually rise within the regime she's trying to help out here? It's like being a black gay Republican. Yes. How far are you going to get in there? And uh, like the, the answer closet. is, yeah, yeah uh, it's, I don't, I don't think very, frankly. And it's the same thing with Ilsa. So she becomes uh, what I will refer to uh, as a sympathetic Nazi. 
did we did we have sympathetic Nazis? Do we still have sympathetic Nazis amongst our Nazis, our modern day? <laughs> well, Nazis? I don't. We can't. I don't want to say that we're now. Now we're going to get into a territory where we cannot talk about the film that came to mind. So let's 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 skirt past that. Okay. Schindler's List. We're not going to talk about Schindler's List. <laughs> I've never seen it, so yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Well, no, but that's a sympathetic Nazi. Every, oh, oh, is that's it a sympathetic Nazi? That's the that's the story. Do you know every that, yeah. every time I get on an escalator and I see the word Schindler at the bottom, I'm oh. thinking to myself, "This is Schindler's Lift." Oh, maybe we do have to down, talk about so it. So maybe that's as, that's as far as my only reference I can give you to Schindler's List. Uh, or in this case, but it, sympathetic is, no. is an F instead of an F, Schindler's List. Wait, so that would be Schindler's Lisp. Oh my God, Scooter! <laughs> and so the night goes on. Jesus! Is it, is it obvious that we're drinking um, as we do this? Oh my God! I can't believe those guys and that girl said all of that stuff. I'm even offended. iTunes, in particular, said we had to call the show right there, not because of content, but because that Schindler's Lift joke was just unforgivable. But don't worry, because even iTunes can't stop the boys and Twigs from returning next week to talk further about Nazis. Nazi. Hey, what is that word? Nazi exploitation. So hopefully we put a little spring in your goose step and tune in next week for. Like and Scooters. Allison